When your youthful days are gone and old age is stealing on and your body bends beneath the weight of care, he will never leave you then. He'll go with you to the end. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson. From Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 through 17, and Isaiah 45, verses 1 through 7. The title of this week's lesson is Idols Are Worthless. Again, Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 17 from the New King James Version of the Bible. The text reads, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Those who make an image, all of them are useless, and their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They never see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a God or mold an image that profits him nothing? Surely all his companions would be ashamed, and the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up, yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. The blacksmith with the tongs works one in the coals, fashions it with hammers, and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry, and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule. He marks one out with chalk. He fashions it with a plane. He marks it out with the compass and makes it like the figure of a man according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. He cuts down cedars for himself and takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and the rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for a man to burn, for he will make some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god. His carved image 
He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my God. And then chapter 45, verses one through seven, text reads, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go down, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden secrets of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Praise God's holy and divine word. Let us listen and learn. Idols are worthless. Idolatry dismisses the will of the creator in deference to the opinions of the creature. Idolatry is subjectivity and a self-centered worldview. Isaiah's audience needed to be shown and we need to also understand and heed God's omnipotence. we would do well to heed the Apostle John's warning. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. 1 John 5, verse 21. The temptation to displace God in our heart of mind and presume to follow man's direction is powerful in an era of individualism. We are in such an era these days where man's focus on self and scientific rationalism leads him to believe disproportionately in his own willfulness. The first of the Ten Commandments warns, you shall have No other gods before me, Exodus 20 and verse 3. The second of the Ten Commandments builds the case further. You shall not make for yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth below, beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them them. Exodus 20 verses 4 and 5. 
Isaiah is incredulous and horrified at the way the Babylonians made gods of material. The God of Israel was different. No priesthood fed Yahweh. Yahweh needed no food supplied for him. He was and is the creator of the earth and the heavens. Despite the clear warnings to avoid idolatry, the Israelites asked Aaron early on to make us gods that shall go before us, Exodus 32 and verse 1. Both their request and Aaron's willingness to fashion a golden calf demonstrate why idolatry is so dangerous. Their willingness to turn so soon from God was completely unreasonable given all that they had experienced. Although he saved them from Egyptian bondage, he was in the moment when they asked Aaron for other gods, he was far from their minds. They thought only about that particular moment and their present desires and how they could uh, achieve that uh, goal in that time. That is, how they could uh, have God, Yahweh, and yet still uh, have other gods before them. Idolatry offered a, a semblance of religion, but there were no divine boundaries or accountability, and most particularly, there was no hope in man-made idols. Sadly, the prophet Isaiah addressed individuals who continued to make the same mistake in his time. The idols they created and worshipped were useless, Isaiah 44 and verse 10. The people to whom Isaiah wrote had neglected God, turned from God. What about us? The purpose of this passage is to remind all who go by his name that when we reach the depths of our human bitter experience, the challenges of life, that God has not forgotten his promise to Abraham or withdrawn his call from his descendants, including us, Beyond the dark days of exile, they had the hope to flourish again and become the blessing to the nations that he had always intended them to be. In order for this to happen, the individual had to turn from idols to the living God. 
emphasizing his superiority over idols, God declared, I am the first and the last. Beside me there is no God, Isaiah 44 and verse 6. In comparison to him, there is no other God. Whatever the gods may be, they are not even in the same discussion. It is not that he is the greatest of gods. He is God all by himself. God challenged the supposed gods of the people to match his ability to proclaim or declare future events, verse 7. Here we have this uh, courtroom setting where God is the district attorney, the judge, and the jury, and asking those who would to stand up and, and uh, proclaim or, or declare as he does. Knowing that such would not happen, God stated, Do not be, do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Verse 8. <clears throat> Notice Deuteronomy. Chapter 32, verses 16 through 18. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods they did not know, to new gods they did not know, to, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. Mm. Let us not forget God the Father. God created the dust and from it made man. Can the dust now take material and form God? The very idea is ridiculous. The workmen who made idols are put to shame for what is human cannot create what is divine. What is human cannot create what is divine. All who make idols are nothing and the things they treasure are worthless. Isaiah 44 and verse 9 in the NIV. In the succeeding verses, we have the prophet Isaiah as the spokesman for Yahweh, revealing the foolishness of pagan idolatry, the graven image, the carved idol is called vanity, nothing. The prophet announces that the idols themselves are their own witnesses. They see not, nor do they understand. Therefore, these inanimate objects are profitable for nothing. 
Isaiah then goes on to berate the workmen, the artisans, for designing and constructing their idols in the figure of a man. He exposes how people tend to believe what is convenient. Convenience is the road to idolatry. He exposes the basic fallacy of the worthlessness of the common road, the easy way, the slippery slope of self-aggrandizement, gods made in the image of man. He points out, Yahweh points out, the hopelessness of the one who would worship an idol carved from the same tree that he would use for firewood and that he therefore feedeth on ashes. Rather than forming a new being, the craftsman shapes the idol to resemble a man. His copy of God's creation lacks originality. Most importantly, it lacks life. The end product may be impressive in beauty. However, it is only the product of a carefully drawn blueprint and a competent designer. Therefore, no matter what the intent, the result of human efforts cannot rise above the low ground of human endeavors. Whether the medium be iron, verse 12, or wood, verse 13, the enterprise deserves nothing but ridicule. God-given strength and skill are misused, and sin has deprived the idolater of any sense of what is appropriate in the sight of Yahweh. The one who believes such a creation is his God has no more insight than the blind, lifeless idol. In other words, the trajectory of a person is that they become what they worship. Those who worship idols become idolaters. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so all will be condemned who have not believed. Second Thessalonians verse 10b through 12 NIV. Conversely, those who follow God with faith and attentive actions in righteousness have the opportunity to be called his children if it be his will. God appointed Cyrus to facilitate the eventual release of the people of Judah. Israel's willingness to identify Cyrus by name more than a Isaiah's willingness to identify Cyrus by name more than a century before his birth is a testimony to the veracity to the truth of Scripture. Described as the Lord's anointed in Isaiah 45, verse 1, Cyrus, Cyrus was selected and prepared by God 
to perform his will. God used him to accomplish the specific task of ending the Babylonian captivity and allowing the exiles to return to Jerusalem and the land of Judah. After 70 years of captivity, Cyrus was to direct Judah back to the land of Canaan. Cyrus was to know he was an instrument in the hands of God. God would prepare the way for him as he vanquished cities that seemed impregnable with their doors of brass and bars of iron, verse 2, chapter 45. He was to care for Jacob, my servant, God said through Isaiah. Cyrus read the message. I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. Chapter 45, verse 4. God did not strengthen Cyrus or support his efforts for Cyrus' sake. God did it for his people. Although Cyrus did not know God, he was empowered by the Creator. God used Cyrus to demonstrate his own greatness. God can and is prepared to use anyone of us as his vessel, his conduit of opportunity to bring souls to him. God sees the future and controls it. Making this point, he declared, I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Chapter 45, verse 6 and 7. As sole creator, as God all by himself, the sovereign Lord claims dominion over all things. King of kings. The futility of idolatry is the main theme of today's lesson. Anything we place ahead of God in our lives is an idol. Instead of deferring to worldliness in our daily walk, let's exalt and worship God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. This lesson is yours. Thanks for listening and being a part of this study. Next week's lesson comes from Isaiah 46, 1 through 7, and Isaiah 47, verses 1 through 11. The title of next week's lesson is The Idols of Babylon. Let's pray one for another. Almighty God, our God, who sits high and looks low, we approach your throne of grace with humility and reverence. We are awed by your omnipotence, your omnipresence, your omniscience. Thank you for being our God, a God of love, 
a God of mercy, a God of long-suffering, a God of second chances. Please forgive us, Father, of any trespasses we have committed since we were last gathered together. We repent and we ask for forgiveness. We pray that our actions in the future will align with those of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the sacrifice of your only begotten Son and his life, death, and resurrection. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit and the power of the spiritual hope that resides in him. Father, we come to you with petitions on our heart. We pray for those who do not know you, both near and far. We pray for space and time that all are able to come to you before it is eternally too late. We pray for those who suffer this day, those who are estranged from you. Help them, help us all come to our senses and follow you more each day in spirit and in truth. Help us, Father, help us to study to show ourselves approved in our life and help us to be reconciled to you if it be your will. Father, we pray for the sick and the shut-in, those going in and coming out of procedures and treatments. We know that you are the great physician who has never lost a patient and we pray that your long arm of protection be extended to those suffering and in need this day. Father, we pray for all within the sound of my voice and our extended families. We pray for our commitment to you to be strengthened and fortified with your power. We ask for the zeal necessary to go out into a dying and perishing world to bring souls to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the honor we have to serve your will and your way. We are ever thankful that you have chosen us to be called your children. These and all other blessings and favors we ask in the unambiguous glory of your Son, the Messiah. It is in the holy name of Jesus we proffer up this prayer. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Amen. Again, church, I am ever thankful for the opportunity to teach these lessons and for your ongoing support. Let us reach out this week in Christian love and empathy one to another. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Count it all joy. Stay safe. Bye for now. <laughs>